Welcome to the Switch for Change podcast. I am your host, Mika Holler, where we talk about changing the direction of communication and strategies for better conversation. Today, we have a special guest on our show, Susan Bentley. She is a coach, trainer, speaker, and podcaster. She helps women in their 40s and 50s to rediscover their confidence in themselves and get clear what they really want from their lives, business, and careers. She is also the founder and facilitator of the Scaredy Cat Skills Workshop for Women. With her 20 years plus of management coordinator experience in the UK public sector and creative industries, her big vision is to eradicate gender inequality in business. Suze is going to share with us some insights today about inclusion and diversity in the workplace. Welcome today, Susan. Thanks for joining us today. Hi, Mika. Thank you so much for having me. This is fantastic. It's good great to, to have you. <laughs> it's great to have you. Uh, Suze, why don't you tell us, how did you arrive at the work that you do? So I've had um, a kind of typical portfolio career, mainly in the creative industries, so film, video and publishing, and also in different parts of the public sector in the UK. So education, local government, health, all of that experience involves a lot of being in meetings, a lot of getting into new organisations very quickly um, and chatting a lot. So in the last few years, quite a few years ago now, when I was doing freelance writing, I got to a point where I was sick of going to conferences and seeing no diversity on a conference panel, just Mm. a sea of white, middle-aged and in the UK, upper class and middle class men. Um, So I started the Scaredy Cat Skills Training Programme as a response to that lack of women speakers at conferences. And I wanted to create a safe space for women to talk through their communication issues that they have in the workplace, such as like dealing with mansplaining in a meeting, that kind of thing. I then also qualified as a coach, as a life and personal coach a few years ago, and now as an individual team coach as well. So I now offer one-to-one coaching to women, um, particularly 40 plus. And I particularly work with those women as I understand what they're going through, what is a really transitional time of life where you're putting everybody else before yourself. Um, Also, this generation of women, the Generation X of women, we're a smaller generation. We don't get heard from so much. And we're also the generation who, at the moment, the, certainly the gender pay gap in the UK increases as soon as we hit our 40s. So it's not necessarily when women are coming um, back from work from maternity leave, for example. It might be to do with other changes going on in their lives at that time, caring responsibilities, dealing with kids, teenagers and ageing parents at the same time. So the sandwich between the two might be to perimenopause or menopause symptoms as well. Um, and we know that, you know, women in their 40s and 50s are leaving entire sectors after a certain amount of time as well with frustration of not being promoted and also frustration of not having their well-being put first by their employers so that's why I work with women in their 40s and 50s through coaching and training as well yeah quite diverse and transition for a lot of the women and being passionate about that um, for women that for people that identify themselves as female what approach do you think we can use to create a positive impact and promote more inclusion in organization for women 
I think it's a I think it's a multi-layered approach. I don't think there's one thing. There's like there's no one magic pill um, in terms of creating kind of certainly gender equity in the workplace. I think it involves a number of things, and it's not just me thinking that. It's kind of yeah. backed up by research reports saying it as well. Um, so, for example, you know, a good approach would be everybody from the top down in an organisation championing each other educating yourselves so educating yourselves on what people from underrepresented groups so not just women but for example lgbtq plus black and ethnic minorities people with disabilities um what they are what they can bring to the table in terms of being fantastic employees but what they're missing out on when they're not being taken care of well. So it's a case of kind of everybody educating themselves, championing each other as well, and also getting into the habit of listening to each other. Yeah. Would you say, because diversity is, it's such a real buzzword these days, would you say, you know, based on what we're talking about, it's more about adapting to change, like a mindset approach, having that empathetic uh, mindset, thinking on behalf of someone else, what what um what they're thinking about and you know how they could uh sort of engage more with curiosity yes definitely and it it comes down to what now gets called eq rather than iq Mm. so emotional intelligence um which daniel goldman developed and um companies are starting to take more notice of that because emotional intelligence is about understanding yourself and your own emotions and understanding others and empathizing with others you know just because somebody else is going through something doesn't mean that I have to kind of literally put myself in their shoes to understand it um you know Brené Brown has got an absolutely fantastic little YouTube video which is from one of her TEDx talks all about what empathy is all about and about standing alongside someone and really deep listening is a part of emotional intelligence and also understanding how you relate to others and as you said adapting to change and you know we've we've all been through it at different levels over the last year or so massive amounts of change and some really traumatic change as well so um we know that diversity as you said has become a bit more of a buzzword but I'm hoping that it's it's a buzzword for for good use you know certainly in terms of black lives matter certainly in terms of looking at violence against uh, women and young girls certainly in terms of more flexible working for people who've got disabilities all Mm -hmm. these things are key because we know that more diverse companies have better financial returns Mm -hmm. you know there's there's tons of research out there a really good way to look at diversity i encourage everyone to attend a google i am remarkable workshop um because it's a really nice way to kind of it's not just about figuring out your own how to self-promote yourself in the workplace in terms of championing but being able to understand a lot better about what other people are going through as well we're all individuals we're all humans we all come to the workplace with our own beliefs stories and backgrounds um and it's recognising a lot of the time, certainly with gender, the intersectionality of things that are going on as well. 
we know that the pandemic has hit um, certain parts of uh, certainly populations in the US and in the UK hard, harder, particularly in the UK, black women who are in low paid jobs. So there's kind of a whole systemic area around kind of patriarchy and intersectionality and we could I could talk for hours about it I think I think yeah just circling back I, I do think it is about you know adapting a change and like you said understanding and being a good listener and being empathetic so we can be have more awareness when we communicate you you and I were talking about uh virtual and in-person meetings and perhaps sometimes people even get ignored how do we create ways in an organization where people don't feel ignored? What, what are some ways that we can look at that? So we, we know that there were already issues with this, with in-person meetings um, that have now been transferred over to virtual meetings. For example, we know that um, different underrepresented groups get ignored in meetings. For example, women getting talked over. Another example, there was a 2018 study where a quarter of black professionals said other people were given credit for their contributions. That happens a lot in meetings. For example, somebody, you know, as well, somebody with a disability, somebody with autism might not be speaking up in a meeting because um, the way that their communication style is, they've been accused of being too blunt in the past, for example. Um so all of those issues were already there in in-person meetings mm. and they've been compounded by moving over to virtual meetings. So a part of it for me is that what I've said is about inclusion has got to come from the top down. If we're looking at specifically looking at meetings, there's a few things. So there's a few things in there. Shall I run through a few of my, my sure. points? Sure. So if you're leading a meeting, you're not just leading a meeting. It's your responsibility to facilitate the meeting. So making sure that everybody's voices are heard. Mm. And that starts right from when there isn't a meeting in existence. That turns into, if you're talking about who's being ignored in a meeting, well, actually, who's being left out of the room completely? So many meetings. We're all sitting through so many meetings that are comprised of the wrong people. And that comes back to the leader of the meeting being really clear on the purpose of the meeting and having a really good think about who actually needs to be in the meeting. Not having meetings just for meeting sakes. If it's just information sharing, email it, send it in a Slack. You know, it doesn't have to be an actual meeting. Have a purpose for the meeting. Have a reason for people to coming for people to come together especially all suffering with Zoom fatigue at the moment. Yeah. Because the leader of the meeting, keep your meetings short and to the point. Anything over 50 minutes, you're going to lose the people in the room easily. No matter what, who it is, you're going to lose them. And being a facilitator of a meeting means recognising who hasn't spoken yet. And mm-hmm. giving them the opportunity to speak. Not all people will want to take up the opportunity within the meeting, and that's okay. Also, being the person that says, if you want to talk to me afterwards, or if we want to continue this offline, or you know, in a in a Slack or however, fantastic. But giving people the opportunity to speak, what never works, 
and I've seen this so much over the years and it turns me off as much as the next person. What never works is if you're leading a meeting, you see that people aren't talking and you call out or you shame them into talking. Yeah. It, it, you're going to turn people off straight away. That is when you'll get people turning their cameras off, leaving the meeting or just totally disengaging, kind of sitting back, arms crossed, probably on, you know, a game or something in the background. Yeah. Um, so those are a few of the things. I th- so really kind of plan the meeting well in terms of who actually needs to be in the room. Keep an eye out during the meeting of who who has spoken and who has not got the chance to speak yet. And have the meeting finish with something actionable. Yes, absolutely. Meetings for meeting sakes are just, nobody has the time for that anymore. And it's also about kind of in terms of inclusion within the meeting, as I said, you know, give everybody the opportunities to speak, give everybody the opportunity to ask questions as well. Make full use, whether it's Teams, chat, um, you know, Teams or Zoom or Google, however you have virtual meetings the the most amazing engagement can come out of the chat box out of the Q&A box yeah absolutely Um, and also kind of on a technical note have somebody to do the tech side for the meeting yeah please (laughs) for the sake of efficiency yeah for the sake of efficiency and so that you you can then you effectively can co-facilitate with somebody as well and it just makes for a more well-rounded meeting. And it means that if one of you hasn't spotted that somebody else is desperate to talk and hasn't had the chance, then the other one may well have spotted it. Absolutely. No, it's um, you were, when you're talking about diversity and people feeling comfortable speaking up or not speaking up. And I don't like to label, but when we have sort of a someone who maybe perhaps is has more of an introvert quality as opposed to an extrovert, what is a way that you think from your experience that can engage someone who's, that has more of those qualities? Okay. So, I mean, there's so many different personality types. So if it would just absolutely, let's just look at extroverts, introverts. I'm an introvert, but most people would never recognize me as an introvert. And Mm -hmm. what I see introversion as, which, um, I read a book quite a few years ago now by Beth Bulow called The Introvert Entrepreneur and she explained it so well in terms of where you get your energy from. So extroverts tend to thrive from attention, involvement, conversation. Introverts can do all that as well, but they will often need space and time to restore their energy afterwards. So it's things like think about attention spans. As I said, you're going to lose everybody over 50 minutes, let alone somebody who's quite introverted and has kind of had enough of this meeting of everybody talking. Have you as a leader of a meeting made it obvious everyone can take bathroom breaks or switch their camera off when they want as well? I think we have to recognise the humanity with virtual meetings because we're, we're stuck with this now for the foreseeable future so let's not have it that it turns into kind of presenteeism of everybody has to be fully concentrating on their screen yeah at, at all points within a meeting because that's not how people work in real life exactly you know and when we go into that assumption if someone's not smiling 
they're not listening. So I think that's a key thing to when we're communicating is not to make assumptions. What, what other assumptions do you think we perhaps may make in that type of environment? Um, I, I hate assumptions and they're, they're everywhere when it comes to meetings and what you do as soon as you assume some something about everybody, yeah. you exclude somebody. So the kind of top assumptions in terms of meetings is usually coming from the leader of the meeting. And that is everybody is here for the same reason. Mm. Everybody knows why I'm holding this meeting. We're all enthusiastic about it. We're, we're all ready to go at, you know, 8.30 on a Friday morning or 6 o'clock on a Monday afternoon. That's one of the biggest assumptions, that everyone's here for the same reason. And everyone is here and ready and prepared for the meeting and ready to get involved as well. And those assumptions will destroy meetings because that's not reality. We know that's not real life. The way to get inclusive conversations in these meetings is to get away from our assumptions. And that circles back to what we were saying before about emotional intelligence, about understanding, doing the work on ourselves, about understanding more about ourselves, understanding more about each other and understanding more about the wider system we're working within as well. Absolutely. I think, too, when we talk about assumptions using language that we assume people will understand, uh, I think using obviously inclusive language and, and also simple, simple words, simple. I was wondering if you could speak to that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And acronyms are my absolute bugbear, especially um, having worked in various parts of the UK public sector. There's an interesting research report came out this week about social mobility and how posh the UK civil service still is and how meeting attendees use Latin during their meetings. That's really getting into non-simple language. I mean, that kind of thing and acronyms of any type exclude people. So if you have to use acronyms, if it's part of your language within your company, explain what it means. You might have new starters. You might have lots of people where English is certainly for English speaking meetings where English is not a first language. So it's also about giving people time and space in within meetings to listen to what's being said and reflect on what's being discussed as well. And plain English is kind of like an official title for effectively um, no jargon, no acronyms, and it doesn't mean dumbing down. It means that you're including everyone by making sure that everybody understands what you're saying. And again, it also comes back to the leader of the meeting, having time for questions, being an open and emotionally intelligent enough leader that you're open to any kind of questions coming from the meeting attendees so that people feel that it's a space that's warm and inviting where they can ask what might be seen by some people's stupid questions. I was always the person, certainly in committee meetings in past jobs, I would be the person holding their hand up going, I don't understand. For one of me who actually says that, there's at least another three people in that, me- in that meeting, for example, that wouldn't say anything 
Yeah. So use simple language, no jargon. Give have enough time within meetings to kind of really um, give people a time to reflect on what's being discussed. Mm. Even if that's kind of like having kind of little mini breakouts where you can discuss it in a smaller group group just for like five minutes where it can feel like a more of a, sa- a safer space of people to communicate. Yeah, absolutely. Susan, it's been uh, such a treat having you here today. You've, been, you've given us a lot of insights uh, with your background and experience. Before we close, where is the best place people connect with you on your social media or website if they want to get in touch with you? The easiest way to get hold of me. Um, so on social media, I'm, uh, I use Instagram. I'm not very good at it, I will admit. Um, so I'm on Instagram as Susan B. Bentley. Okay. And uh, you don't get to find out what the middle initial stands stands for. There has to be something <laughs> mysterious about me. Um, also, my website is literally susanbbentley.com. And that's got all my, it's got my podcast on there, Genix Voices, all the information about my coaching and my public speaking training as well, the Scaredy Cat skills. Wonderful. For those uh, that are listening, I will put all contact of where to reach Susan and how to get in touch with her on my Facebook group page at Switch for Change Coaching. And that is spelled S-W-I-T-C-H, the number four change. Thanks, everyone, for joining us today. And Susan, thanks so much for sharing your uh, tips and strategies and your insights and experience with us. Thanks so much for having me, Mika.